Hi again, everybody. This is the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, uh, different areas of expertise to find out some of the things that they're doing in their space, maybe some of those success techniques, and things that we can translate into our own lives, regardless of our backgrounds and our uh, professions. Um, Today, we have another one of those guests that I think we're going to take a whole lot away from today. Um, Just before we jump into the interview, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you'll know um, that we have uh, a connection with Plum.io and purpose-driven leader in, in any kind of different group wants to be able to look at potential for, an organi- for a person as they're recruiting, as they're going through different talent processes, and they're a solution to help with that. So they actually look at some of those transferable skills, transferable potentials um, of those uh, individuals that are either applying for your jobs or that you already have working for you to be able to look at adaptability, resilience, see some of those different things. So it's a, a pretty cool solution if you're looking at uh, um, being to, uh, going a little deeper into, um, uh, into what people can bring to the table. So um, if you look at uh, www.plum.io, um, you'll be able to see it there or take a look at our website, um, which is www.bigideabigmoves.com and you can follow the link through there, see if it's right for your business. Um, the other side is if you're looking for a valued publication that uh, focuses on on fitness, on wellness, on nutrition, um, look at Impact Magazine. Their recent issue um, features Mark McMorris, who's a, a snowboarder, if, if you're aware of him. Um, some really cool information there. So at www.impactmagazine.ca. So definitely take a look at it. I, I know it'll bring lots of value for you. So today, I'm really excited to be able to have um, Carolyn Tatakowitz with us today, and she is the Director of Product Strategy and Innovation with RBC Ventures. Um, Before that, she also worked in the bank's um, Terrorist Financing and Organized Crimes Department, Um, so a bit of a a real change in those two areas, so we're going to talk about that today. Um, She's been named one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women by the Women's Executive Network. Um, She's a strong advocate and leader for the LBGTQ plus uh, community and has been uh, has given back in a number of different ways um, to her community. Um, she was the vice president of the board dire- board of directors for Toronto's chapter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving as well. So um, some really cool things in uh, her background and and thanks for taking the time. I know it's a it's a busy time for everybody. So so thanks for taking the time with us today, Carolyn. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jamie. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, you know, we uh, even just when I, I say kind of the 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 two different areas that you've worked in most recently, um, very different. And um, you know, maybe you can just walk us through a little bit about um, you know, you've had a, a career that's pretty varied so far, but also talk to how did you get to where you are now? Where you're in kind of this kind of more ventures um, state uh, at RBC? Yeah, and I think it it requires a lot more like background than just that like yeah. last kind of career move, and so. Yeah. Um, truthfully, when I finished university, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I traveled Europe for seven months, as a lot of people do, kind of like trying to find themselves. And when I came back, I applied to every job in the market and the money laundering entry level position at the bank, um, kind of fell into my lap, truly. Like I I sent, I don't know, thousands of resumes and I got a response. And slowly through that group, I moved on to like more senior roles in the terrorist financing, organized crime, Um, got to take on some really cool projects in that space. And part of that leads into what I'm doing now is like always thinking about innovative ways to approach kind of like 
antiquated problems. So money laundering isn't super new. They just, you know, criminal organizations find innovative ways to do things. And so I was always curious as to how do we get one step ahead? How do we look at terrorist financing as a new problem? Human trafficking was another example of yeah. a project that I worked on and eventually led that group um, as the head of investigations. Uh, so all in, I was there for about five years. Yeah. Uh, and then I sat back and that was the year I won uh, WXN. And I was like, I'm still pretty young. I still have a lot of opportunity to take risk. And if I fail, it's not going to impact that many people beyond just myself. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time for a completely new challenge and to really see if I could enter a new space that I've always um, felt a, a drive towards or a pull towards being like more innovative, a little bit more uh, entrepreneurial. Um, and so I actually was doing a, uh, a talk at RBC and someone who had seen it in the audience was like, you really need to speak to this individual at Ventures. I think your mind aligns with the way that that group works. And that led me to my next role, uh, which I started. It's unbelievable to think that it was November of last year, because as, as long as the pandemic has felt, my time in that role has felt very, very short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and, and even kind of integrating into something so neat, but, but cool at the same time. Um, I, and actually, you know, you mentioned that, um, in your previous role, you impacted things like human trafficking and, and things that um, have, a, have, have a huge social impact as well. That must have been um, something that, you know, it, you, you were able to really kind of take away something that's, that's a little more intrinsic than even some other roles as well. Yeah, and I think that everything that I've done uh, professionally and even personally with volunteer work, the whole purpose is I want to make an impact on somebody's life. And so it's why I'm always drawn to roles where I get to coach other individuals because I see their growth and I see their success and I personally celebrate and through their failures, I feel like not that I failed, but I feel sorry and I feel that empathy. And the same is true with the role um, where I was the head of investigations and even senior management is I felt like I was making a true impact on uh, victims of human trafficking or impacting Canadian society a bit broadly, a bit more broadly, excuse me, um, because the role that we were doing was actually to protect, you know, everyday citizens of, of Canada. Um, and now on the other side of it where I'm, I'm sitting in ventures is I'm impacting them, not in a way to help protect them, but to help make their lives that much better yeah. through the products that we're doing. So it's kind of a different lens, but still in the same space that aligns like with my core values. And, and did you, did you realize that as much before you went into the role? Like when you were going through the recruitment process and all of those things to go into this role, did you realize, um, uh, what that would be like to to know how much you're impacting people in a positive way because I, I think especially 2020 has probably also made that a little more acute than it normally would be yeah. to be honest absolutely not when I went in in yeah. November it was more personally focused I was like I want the challenge it was it was less about how is this going to help others and more about how is this going to help my next stage of the career it wasn't like really like externally focused yeah. um and I don't think anybody could have predicted. So I started that role in November of, um, of last, I guess, 2019 now. Yeah. Um, but nobody looking in November could have predicted what was going to happen in March. And so myself included, realizing moving into that position, um, the impact that a role like that could have as um, almost everybody in, everybody in Canada has some way been impacted by the pandemic and yeah. looking at a way to innovate new products or change the way existing products that we've built work better um, have has really helped people in a time where they need it most. 
And you see those um, people that are directly impacted by the, the things that your group does. Um, has there been anything that surprised you about kind of, you know, whether it's entrepreneurs or people that, um, you know, that, that connect with you that um, as we've went through this kind of pretty difficult time for, for that industry? Uh, the one thing I found the most surprising was the amount of resilience that I, I've seen so early on because I, you know, people in my life joke that I'm just always optimistic and I always like to yeah. see the best in people. And so we did this um, uh, project internally that showcased actually externally facing that showcased the random acts of goodness that Canadians did for one another. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like a, a landing page where people could share stories, videos and things like that. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that was true. Like I knew Canadians were good. They were helping each other out and, and things like that. But the amount of resilience I've seen in entrepreneurs that have yeah. taken this pandemic and turned it into something positive or taken it as an opportunity to actually grow and stretch their business. Um, I don't know that I was expecting it. And perhaps that's like me being like, it's a pandemic. Let's all just like batter the storm and, and wait yeah. for it to be over. But they were like, no, we're going to use this as an opportunity um, to do something amazing. And so I was uh, truly surprised and, and really glad to see it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I think that everybody I talk to, whether it is an entrepreneur who has had to try to figure out how to either take advantage of what's happening right now or just kind of recover. Um, but also people like uh, I talked to Bruce Croxon a while ago and asked almost that same question. And he's in a similar space to you, obviously. And the uh, same thing is that he just said that it's amazing to see what resiliency has happened and pretty early on, which is which is really good news, I think, as, as well. So, um, you know, it, it, one of the, the, the things that as you build teams and you've built lots of teams or had to, to manage and, and kind of go through that process is you talk a lot um, from what I've seen about um, building the diversity out in your teams and whether that's diversity of thought or, or being able to make sure that, um, um, you know, uh, one, one thing is, is that I think traditionally a lot of organizations have leaned on years of experience um, and not and experience that is direct experience rather than I, th I think, you know, the the term that's often used now a little more is, is lived experience. Um, your thoughts around that and, and how that also might benefit, you know, if we're, we're talking more about lived experience and potential than, than the traditional way of, of looking at that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely say I value that lived experience over um, a lot of like the traditional schooling and things like that. And yeah. I always go back to a number of different examples where I think of, um, you know, perhaps the challenges or the skills that a single mother has developed just in her um, existence of being a single mother and working whatever job it is. That's time management. That's conflict uh, resolution 101 for anyone yeah. who's a toddler. Um, and there's a number of other skills that directly transfer to the workplace. Um, and I think by there's a kind of two um, two pronged issue here is that if we look at it and say um, we're only focusing on traditional experience, university, master's degrees, etc., is there's a number of um, I, for lack of a better term, barricades that some people can't can't get over uh, to get into that space. And like I'm a um, first generation Canadian, both of my parents emigrated here, and by nature, a lot of their university degrees didn't transfer over uh, to Canada. And so they weren't eligible for certain roles simply because their credentials weren't up to scuff. That didn't mean that they weren't capable. Um, and I think if anything, they're showcasing you know resiliency. They're showcasing 
that they're willing to go above and beyond for, you know, for themselves and for others by coming to a new country where there was opportunity. And so I think there's a lot of barriers to entry um, for many different reasons for people, whether that's their skin color, their religion, um, or even just where they were raised. And so by limiting and saying strictly focusing on a tick box exercise of you must have a master's degree, you're not fully bringing uh, somebody that has unbelievable expertise to the table. And so I think that looking more um, fulsome at what someone's experience is and, and what they can bring to the table, I rather see what you can do rather than what your resume you know, says. On paper, one person can be this, but what can they actually deliver? Um, if you give them the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, no, that I, and, and it is amazing to see that, um, you know, things are starting to change in some of those areas. Um, there's a long way to go though. And, and I, I still think there are a lot of, um, a lot of heavy barriers there for some people as well. Uh, I, I know you've talked about um, being aware of um, privilege where we can possibly be aware. And, and um, uh, maybe if you can talk about, uh, about that. And, and I think that I, th I think people have a certain way of thinking about it when they talk about privilege, but there are a lot of ways that manifests itself too. And in, in, in ways that aren't necessarily just traditionally what people think even in of that word now. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very recent example, but what happened in the U S uh, yesterday yeah. is, is probably the most blatant visual representation of privilege. If we reflect on what happened in June of last year. Um, and I think like it's a dramatic example, but it reaffirms what we all know to be true. Um, obviously the examples in the workplace aren't as dramatic as storming the Capitol or storming head office, yeah. but I think, privilege manifests itself in different ways where people aren't, aren't aware of it. They aren't aware of microaggressions that they may be um, are, are stating and how they're impacting other people. Um, I think there's an expectation of, um, and I'll, I'll say this is as a member of the, the LGBTQ community, I get constant questions about explain this to me. And I was reading a few books about, um, like following Black Lives Matter. So, yeah. so you want to talk about race. And there was a comment there of like, this group of people, BIPOC individuals do not owe you an explanation. Google is a great resource. And so I, I go back to being aware of your privilege and using your privilege as a platform for other people to say, if you're in a space, and so like my, my big takeaway is always, if I'm in a boardroom, if I'm in a meeting and everybody in that meeting looks the same as me, whether that's skin color or gender, I've done something wrong, or I need to create space at that table so that someone else who doesn't look like me, who doesn't sound like me, has the opportunity to flourish. And if I'm in the room and there's nobody, it's my job to create that space. And oftentimes, like I've benefited from other people doing that for me, saying, you need a seat at this table. And so I think just being mindful of, you may not think you have all of this privilege, but myself, right? My, my parents are, um, like I said, they emigrated here, but I speak English fluently. I've benefited from a university education. Um, you know, I have a, a solid job. I have um, great health overall. And so yeah. those are all forms of privilege that I have and I can use to influence um, any conversation that I'm in and to create space for people who aren't uh, at the table or in, in the conversation to speak on their behalf until they can speak on their own behalf. Yeah. 
Well, and, and one of the big impacts of what has happened in 2020 and continues now, um, there are a lot of things that are coming out about how that has um, unequally impacted. Um, and I, I mean, there are a lot of groups, but let's say women in particular, there's been a, before this, there had been, I think, a, a fair amount of um, progress happening. Um, and maybe I'll ask the question is, from your perspective, what what do we need to continue to do to make sure that the impact in women in leadership and women in business and being able to kind of make sure those wins continue, are, are there certain things that you think are, are really important to make sure they stay front of mind when it, you know, it's pretty easy to have that fall back right now? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's been, it's been huge. I think Catalyst released some, some data on um, how, but, you know, women and mothers specifically have been impacted because there's been a fallback to traditional gender roles of women are raising kids in the household and they're also trying to manage their careers uh, simultaneously. And, and usually children prevail and, and the career kind of comes secondary, which has been the impact sure. of the pandemic, right? Yeah. And so I think moving forward is it's not taking our, our foot off uh, the gas pedal with the, with the movement we have with women in leadership, recognizing, you know, Parenting is everybody's responsibility in the household, regardless of what the distribution of that household looks like. And a, yeah. a big part too is for me, when I look at um, intersectionality, um, women of color, white women, regardless, is that the more intersections that a person has, religious, color, sexuality, all of these things, and females, the more challenges they inherently face um, barriers to entry, barriers to success in the workplace. And so we have to have an added focus on that to say the challenges of a woman of color are not the same challenges of a, of a uh, Caucasian woman, for example. Yeah. And recognizing that, again, a pandemic has only amplified um, what has been an existing problem. And we've been making strides towards it, but keeping focus as we move forward to say, let's um, make sure that we do not... Um, we do not remove focus from women in leadership initiatives just because we are in a pandemic. We need to put more of an emphasis forward and more of an emphasis on groups that have historically been disproportionately impacted by things like that. These are your indigenous women, uh, your women of color. And, and yeah. Well, and, and you could make the argument that this is a, an even bigger opportunity than we may had before, because there is this major ability to, um, make change and to be able to when we are resetting things and doing things differently you can do it in a way that that um thinks of those things first and and kind of builds it into the system rather than having it the other way around um maybe uh, one other uh, question is is that um from an ally standpoint um one one question that gets asked a lot of the time is um is in women leadership initiatives um the role of men and um how they can be allies so the role of other individuals but but let's say for women in leadership and men in particular and people listening to this are, are thinking you know okay how can i help and be be a real help rather than just kind of a, a figurehead of help. Um, would you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, for sure. And so, like I mentioned, is that I've greatly benefited from uh, men at the table creating space for me because we we always see this vision of it's an all male, you know, C-suite. And so, or, you know, a VP suite or whatever it looks like. And so if you are one of those men at the table saying like, okay, I'm looking around the room, everyone here looks like me. Um, 
have I ever, you know, solicited the feedback of a female colleague? Have I invited her to the table? Even if you think it's a growth opportunity or a stretch, it's you are sitting at a table and recognizing, hey, everybody here looks the same and there's no diversity of thought or there's limited diversity of thought. And so it's attending um, every, you know, major corporation does initiatives around women in leadership, attending it as an ally and saying, I will create space. I will make introductions for you. I will create opportunities for you because allies advocates are the biggest um, change makers in all of this. And I go back to LGBTQ history. We would not be where we are today with our rights if it wasn't for our allies. And it's the same with women in leadership is we need our uh, men to stand up and say, I have this amazing colleague. I'm going to make this introduction on your behalf. And, and more than that, welcoming them to the table, soliciting their perspective and being acutely aware of some things that uh, women face, whether it's imposter syndrome or like a hesitation to speak up and soliciting that feedback, knowing, Hey, you know, she may be more reserved and being like, Caroline, we haven't heard from you. Susan, we haven't heard from you. Be super curious to hear your thoughts where you're opening the door for them to walk through and have that conversation at the table. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's great. Um, thank you. I mean, uh, so for you, I mean, we'll go back to kind of your, your career a little bit. Um, did you have, did you have a mentor? Did you have somebody that, uh, cause you've, you've moved pretty quickly in your, your career path. Did you have somebody that you kind of either looked up to or that it was able to kind of really kind of move you forward in your, in your path? Yeah, so I think, interestingly, um, mentor at work for sure, but personally, I looked yeah. to my mom for a lot of, yeah. um, a lot of uh, examples, and more so just, you know, she wasn't a businesswoman, there wasn't any, any of that there, but it was a showcase of resiliency, um, really ethics was what she drove home, and she's like, you have to do the right thing, and only associate yourself with people who align with your ethics and you will do incredible things. And so she tied in all of these different business lessons throughout my life that now we hear in at work or through, through courses. And I was like, this is my, my mom teaching me this at seven or eight. And so yeah. just her, her consistent um, push to do more and to expect more of myself and other people and holding myself to that higher standard. Um, yeah. And I was very fortunate when I uh, joined the bank that I, was surrounded by a few um, really strong mentors, uh, a few that I'm still very much connected to. And their consistent advice has been so um, aligned with what my mom always said was anytime I would say like, I can't or I won't. And it was always, why not? Yeah. And their kind of unwavering confidence in my ability where I was very much doubting myself has yeah. given me kind of that renewed confidence to be like, yeah, okay, why not? what's the worst that's going to happen? And so I think in the last two to three years, that's been the shift in my mentality of instead of saying this might fail, it's going, well, it might fail, but so what I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Uh, it was through yeah, my mom. And then I'll say three other people at the bank that I, I won't name for, for fear yeah. of embarrassing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's, but I think that's important that there's the, the kind of underlying, um, almost those, those kind of competencies or capabilities you have that have been kind of flourishing because of people's impacts as you get, you know, go through different stages, whether they're work or outside of that too. So um, I think everybody has those. It's interesting to know where it comes from and from your mom is, um, is pretty cool. 
Um, so the, the, the other thing that we, we always ask um, any of our guests is um, we try to take something kind of tangible away. And I, I really think, I mean, you've got so many things that you've, you've already said. I mean, it's been, a, it's been a great hearing kind of your thoughts around things. Um, one of the big things is, is related to what you were just talking about is that you have um, taken some, some risks to jump into areas that, you know, we're quite different. Um, and there might be lots of people that are listening right now. And it is that time of year people are starting to make plans and try to figure things out around what they're going to do. Um, and there are lots of people that are probably thinking around, do I, do I take a leap and go into something quite a bit different? Do I maybe um, you know, apply to an area that I've never kind of even seen myself in before? Um, you've been through that kind of um, discussion in your head before. Are there two or three things that you can think of for that person that today, if they were starting to think through that process that maybe they should, um, they should get them on that, that path. What kind of things would you say they should do? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, everyone's path is different and that aligns with like where they may be in life and who else could be impacted by their decision. I'll say that because I did elaborate to that earlier uh, today, but I think one that, has always stuck with me is how fragile time is. And we, we always hear it and we always say it. I, about seven years ago, almost lost my life in a very um, freak accident. And it was that catalyst of saying, if you don't say yes now, you, you don't know what may happen. And so in, you know, if you start the master's program or you're considering it this year, if you don't do it in two years, the time will still pass. But And I I read that somewhere. And and if you start it now, in two years, you're going to have your master's. It may be difficult and it may be the worst two years of your life, but you'll you'll have gotten there, for example. And so I think recognizing that the time is going to pass, whether or not you make the decision or don't make the decision, just think about where you're going to be happier in two years or three years time. Um, The other thing that would be big is creating space. And I talked about it from a diversity perspective, but creating space for yourself to even explore another opportunity it doesn't have to be this full career change it could be dabbling in whether it's a course in a new area that you're interested in or whether it's a podcast or a book or anything like that is creating space for yourself to learn and to potentially succeed or to fail before making the leap Um, and then the last one really is and it's it's be kinder to yourself Um, i think that a lot of times before we consider an opportunity we consider all the reasons why we shouldn't consider an opportunity and we naysay and we are really great at giving other people advice we're really bad at taking our own advice and i think there are a lot of people in this world that you know are willing to tear you down don't be the the person that's being the jerk to yourself be kinder to yourself instead of saying like what if i fail just say like you're not going to fail you're going to succeed and starting with that positive note as opposed to being like the list of what if I get fired and I can't pay my mortgage? What if this, it's like, what if I succeed and I become the SVP Yeah. and and changing your frame of mind by being kinder to the fact that recognize your journey and recognize that you've been successful so far um, in what you've done and failure becomes less of an option on the table. It's still there and that voice is still nagging, but I think you need to stop listening to it a lot more. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, 
that's good to, to listen to, not just about work and everything else. That's pretty much, uh, pretty much anything in life. I think, you know, having that uh, more positive mindset is, is going to impact you only in a, a good way. So, um, you know, I, I, our, our conversation has been fantastic, Caroline. I really appreciate it. Um, you have, uh, have some really great thoughts around things that I think people can take a lot away from. So, um, you know, I, I know that uh, if you're listening, um, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, make sure you do that. We have lots of great guests like Caroline and, uh, um, and then you can always listen to this one again and, and write down some of those things she said if you missed it the first time. Um, the other thing is take a look at uh, the website. Um, this, we had mentioned before that this is the time of year people start to kind of put their thoughts down about what they want to do in, uh, in the coming year. Um, there is a, um, a free kind of planner on there that will help you if you'd like to. Um, and uh, if you go in the enrichment section, there's a whole bunch of books from some of the guests that we have and things that are, are kind of inspirational that way. So take a look at those and it might give you a bit of a book list for uh, the next little while, especially if you're on lockdown, which Caroline and I are both in that uh, state right now. So, um, so it gives you something to, to do that uh, kind of adds to your uh, personal development as well. Um, but again, thank you very much for taking the time, Caroline. Really appreciate it today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I had fun. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we'll uh, talk to everybody again on uh, big idea, big moves. Thank you.